That is rude beyond belief. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me for, I think, the second time in a row, which is pretty awesome, is the one and only Leland from the Aegis Brand Studios. What's happening, my guy? Not much, not much. I'm uh, I'm just as, as excited and baffled as you are that I'm back. Oh, baffled, man. You're awesome. The suits, the suits out there love you, so it just makes perfect sense that you're here to join us yet again. Oh, uh, well, I'm touched. Yes, indeed. So we have some new reveals from... Atomic Mass Games, and I don't know about you, but I am very stoked to talk about these characters. We've got a lot of new stuff, and we have Super Giant. We have the Black Order cards, three of them that come with Super Giant and Black Swan. So, pretty big deal stuff going on here, if I say so myself. Oh yeah, yeah. I think Super Giant is going into a really fascinating design space, and. Uh... I am ready for the internet to hate me with my hot takes. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be wonderful. And I do want to go ahead and, and throw this out there. If you hear something in the background, my kid's playing Minecraft, so he might say words, but at least we got him off of Kirby because he couldn't deal with Kirby anymore. And I may or may not have told him to get good, but he didn't want to get good. He wanted to switch to Minecraft. It's just life lessons, right, Leland? Oh yeah, no, exactly. You know, you gotta you gotta toss them to the wolves at some point. Exactly, exactly. It's never too soon to get good. <laughs> so I, I'm still not good. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm terrible, but I just deal with my terribleness, and there you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a nice little corner of terribleness. That's I know right. it well. So, real quick before we start talking about these characters, I do want to mention that AMG has the mini stravaganza coming up in like two weeks so i'm really stoked i think it's maybe a little over two weeks either way really stoked for that i'm excited to see what kind of sweet reveals we get there and um if you haven't already make sure to hit that subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on so that uh, whenever we do these hot takes when that happens you will get them straight to your inbox so without further ado let's jump straight into super giant and as you know, Leland, the first thing we do around here is we talk about this model, and I have got to get your take on this one first. I honestly, I am living for this model at the moment. I just love it. Uh, I I love the whole sort of like the wispy psionic powers that she's kind of uh, uh, supported on. I like the the overall design and look of it. Uh, I, I'm I'm really really enjoying it so far. Me too. <laughs> me too. I. Also like that it has been confirmed that there is a hooded and unhooded option. And I really like that uh, that is a thing because if it was just unhooded, I would be a little bit disappointed. 
I, I got to admit, I'm I'm going totally with the untoted. I I love the look of the. I like the uh, the design uh, that they did for the head. I think it just it looks like a really fantastic sculpt, uh, and I think having that that nice shock of blue on top of all the white and black just really helps it pop. You utter heathen! I can't <laughs> believe you would do such a thing right now. I mean, look, Super Giant, she's got to have her hood. The only thing I'll say about this model is very cool model. I'm I'm super here for it. I think that like the little ethereal things coming off of it are very awesome looking. I I like contact points. Contact points, bro. Well, I, actually, I think on this one, the contact points actually look a little bit better than some of the other ones we've seen in the past. Um, and I think a lot of it is because of that effect that's on there, it's not as spindly as a Storm or Scarlet Witch or Jean Grey or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it looks like there's a little bit more substan uh, substantial bulk to it. Oh, yeah. So I, I think it's I think it's going to be a little bit easier to work with and not as much of a break risk. Yeah, I just uh, I'm just worried like her right heel is connected and then it looks like part of the cape and that's it. And I just I don't know. I have I have fever dreams about breaking some of my models. So like this is definitely uh, in that category. But I do I just I'd love it. I think it's a really nice look. And obviously the studio paint job is incredible. But uh, good luck painting all that white, people. I don't know if I'm going to be painting her white. <laughs> you, you know what, though? Just just on the subject of breaking, I mean, for anyone in the Discord who who has followed, you know, they'll they'll remember a couple months back, I had that wonderful spill with uh, with all all my MCP stuff. Not one of the spindly models broke in in that exchange. Oh, that's so. Good. I'm 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 just going to say, like, as bad as everything looks, you use the right glue on it, and it's actually going to hold together pretty well. Love it. That's, yeah. a, that's a good point. In fact, in fact, my Medusa has broken more than all the ones I was worried about. Nice. Well, I mean, what is it? Just like her little neck is holding her whole body onto that hair or something? Yeah, makes sense to me. Well, she, keep, she keeps coming off at the back of the head. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's what it is. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. I think this model looks amazing. And um, I'm going to probably do like a cream-colored white versus like a straight stark white probably just because I'm not particularly good at painting. And this is assuming yeah, I even paint. Nice. Let's be real. Yeah. We'll make a painter of you yet one day. So let's now jump into this card and here we are again on the new layout. So I had a suggestion about instead of top stat line, we go with basic stat line. Yeah, I think that works. I think that's fair. So yeah. Yeah. Basic stat line for Supergiant here with an alter ego of Supergiant. <laughs> Subtle. I know, right? Physical defense of one, energy defense of three, and a mystic defense of four. A stamina value of five, threat value of three, and we have size of two and speed is short and it's worth noting she's on a 35 millimeter base so we're talking crossbones mysterio slow here so that one was really surprising yeah what stands out to you on this stat line i mean there's a lot here i think but what is what is the one that stands out to you the most 
Uh, well, obviously the physical defense. It, it stands out like a sore th- a thumb. It's not something we see very often, and when we have, there's there's usually been a very good reason for it. Exactly, um, and I'm pretty sure we'll see that as we go along here. For me, it's the slow speed, and as we go through this card, when you think about the slow speed in conjunction with certain ranges that she's operating at, I'm, I don't want to say worried. It's not, it's just really odd to see a character that moves slow at, with a small base and kind of what she wants to do. I think it puts her into a different uh, space in the game that we're not really used to thinking about, at least as far as Blackwater goes. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I, I think that there's a lot of interesting things going on with just this basic stat line. And I, applaud amg here for being very out of the box with this like it's this is really unique and interesting of a stat line and it is worth noting that nothing changes on her injured side so leland would you like to go over her attacks sure so right off the bat we have a mystic attack which is called mental vampire it has a range of three a uh, strength of five, so five dice being thrown for this. Uh, after the attack is resolved, this character gains one power, and then it has a, a drain life effect. So after this attack is resolved, if de- if dealt damage, uh, it removes one damage from the character, from this nice. character. So yeah, she gets a she gets a little bit of health back. Which I mean, on a five stamina character, that's nothing to ignore right there. Oh, like, absolutely, that's, uh, that's nice. I really like that a lot, actually, because being able to heal when you have such a low health pool is really critical. And again, we'll keep this in in mind as we go through this card, because this is going to come into play, I think, down the line. But we've seen Drain Life before, and we've seen it on Omega Red. And I don't know how much reps you have with Omega Red, but it's a really useful thing for kind of keeping up his tankiness a little bit. And being able oh, to sure. pick and choose when you activate him a little more. Yeah, no, I, I actually really like it as a mechanic. I'm glad that it's not overused, but I always love seeing it when it does pop up. Exactly. So I just also like that there's no trigger on this other than if it does damage. So all you've got to oh, do is I one know. damage and you get to heal one. And because it's a mystic attack, I mean, you should get one damage through, probably. Yeah, choose your targets yeah. wisely. Don't Don't do this into convocation, maybe. Yeah, that, that'd be the feel-bads right there. Yeah. Look, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys one thing. I'm going to tell you the secret to dealing with Strange Supreme, okay? When Ironbound Books is up, just don't attack him with physical attacks. Just don't do it, because he'll probably survive. And then you're just going to give him power, and then he's going to do all the fun things. Attack somebody else. There you go. Secret sauce. We're not talking about Supreme, though. We're talking about Super Giant. And let's think about this attack real quick, because range 3... On a short move, like you're probably going to have a hard time getting up turn one to really make an impact with this character. She's definitely a character that is going to rely a lot on her support characters, I think. Yeah, I think that's really fair. I think that the support system around her, and again, I know I keep saying it, keep in mind some of the other stuff around her. And this card is really going to come into play as we go along here. But what's the next attack? So up next, we have another mystic attack called Devastate Intellect, which is a range two with eight dice. 
uh, for the uh, for the attack for eight power. So it is rather expensive. And it's mystic. Um, and it's mystic. Yeah. The very first line on it though is a very interesting one. If this attack would deal damage, it does not, and the target character loses that much power instead. Which I mean, I, I love. I think that's actually really cool. Uh, but then it also has three different triggers on it. And this is where things get a little crazy. It's got a wild trigger for a stun effect. Uh, it's got a double wild trigger for a stagger effect. And then it's got an absolutely bonkers trigger of a crit wild two hits and two skulls called Devour Mind. And if this one goes off after the attack is resolved, if the target character is healthy, it becomes dazed. And if the target character is injured, it becomes KO'd. Wow. And that's just bonkers. <laughs> yeah, bonkers indeed. So <laughs> I don't I don't want to bury bury the lead too much here, but stun for those of you that might be new here, that means that it is because of the wording on this, after the attack is resolved, the target character gains stun, which this attack doesn't do any damage, but stun condition means that whenever you would gain power, you only gain one from an enemy effect. So like if you take any damage from a throw or from an attack, you would only gain one power instead of power equal to damage dealt on that. Stagger is basically you lose an action. It's not exactly like that sometimes with the way it works, but just think of it in those terms maybe. But uh, you lose an action and your first action must be to shake the stagger special condition. So think about that and now devour mind. So basically one-shotting people. So if you have a Hulk, a She-Hulk, or Hulk Buster, any of these big beefy characters, you have the chance to one-shot them. Yeah, it, it's kind of crazy. I think somebody has actually went out and done the math at this point, and I think they said that uh, a Devour Mind on an Injured Death's Decree has something like a 25 or 28% chance uh, of actually hitting the triggers, which it's kind of wild in my mind. Um, but interestingly enough, I don't think Devour Mind is is actually what is great about this ability. As great as that as great as that trigger is, I, I think it's a dragon that a lot of people are going to chase. Um, oh, but it's not what they want. Definitely. <laughs> so, what do yeah. you think people want from this attack? Well, first off, uh, like I like, there is no bad wild trigger on this. Like stun is a great condition to put out there. Stagger is an amazing condition to put out there. Um, but the fact that uh, it's it takes power away from your target, that's actually the part that I love the most about this. It's an eight dice mystic attack that is just going to say, I don't want you to have power anymore. Yeah. And that can do all sorts of mean things to your action economy. It can screw up your game plans, especially if you have a big turn uh, ahead of you or something like that, where you want to do a whole bunch of things with, all, with a whole bunch of power you've gotten. If you can take away three, four, five power from a target, that is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I think taking away power is really huge. I, it reminds me a little bit of like a penance stare where you don't get power and all that kind of stuff. But this is different in that you're just, you're taking that power. But I think when I look at this and I see not only that it doesn't do damage, 
It has this Devour Mine ability. It is rolling eight dice, and on six of those dice, you have to have very specific results for Devour Mind. And like you said, there's ways to manipulate it, which we'll talk about as we get further along here. But when I see eight power cost on this attack, I say to myself, I'm never using it. And it would be very rare that I would find myself wanting to use this attack. Even if I'm staring down, like maybe, maybe Super Giant's on her injured side, right? And maybe she has one or two health left and I have priority and I'm staring down a juiced up Hulk, right? Like maybe Hulk's got 10 power and he's ready to rock and roll. Or in, if you're playing against me, you're staring at like a Dr. Strange Sorcerer Supreme. Don't, don't do it into Dr. Strange Sorcerer Supreme, but someone <laughs> with a just juiced up power pool, right? I see that. And I think oh, like do the, do this like a ghost rider. Yeah. Like a ghost rider yeah. is a great example. Or it just, just think about how many times you are playing this game and someone is sitting there just full of power, right? And you think to yourself, well, if I have priority, I want to get all of that power and all of their utility off the board or limit that as much as possible. And Supergiant, if they're sitting there on two health, then they're likely going to be going down early. And if you have enough power then going for this to try to slow down the opponent. And then let's say you have some abilities to give her re-rolls. You have different things to kind of go for that devour mind. Well, I think it's interesting. And if nothing else, taking power away from people could also be really useful. I mean, you know, if you take a power away from people like Luke Cage and Iron Fist, I mean, that's huge. That's I was just going to say, like, imagine huge. the feel bad you get for somebody's been saving up for an Iron Fist and then uh, Super Giant just rolls in and takes some of that away. Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I think there's some utility here, but when I see eight power cost, it's going to be incredibly situational. And there's value in chasing the dragon for Devour Mind. There is value in that. However, you've got to realize that. That's not going to go off unless you have a lot of extra tools in place or you just get really lucky. And look, this game is very luck-based. It's very luck-dependent. I mean, we've seen people do things that have a 1.1% chance in a very competitive game. I don't know who's done such a thing, but I'm just saying. And believe me, I will never not talk about this joke because I think it's hilarious that 1.1% chance things have happened. So the math doesn't always work out and doesn't always prove to be what you think it is. No, you're absolutely right. And I, th I think that's one of the things that makes this ability so interesting because it, it is it is a Hail Mary attack, right? Yes. It's something that you, you toss out there and when it goes off, it's going to be the thing you remember. Um, but what I really like about it is that with how expensive the it, this attack is, there is no bad effect that happens with it. I, I am happy with anything that occurs with this particular chain of events. Of course, I'll be happier and happier the more wilds and triggers I get off that. But, you know, if I paid eight and only got two wilds and a, and a little bit of damage to get rid of some of their power, I'm perfectly happy. Like the devour mine to me isn't what I'm chasing with it. Like I'm, I'm doing this to just 
disrupt the other person. And I think this uh, this attack does that extremely well. Yeah. No, I'm I'm right there with you. It's a very disruptive attack. And it also if when you think about it in terms of giving your opponent something to think about. Because if there's a super giant sitting there with eight power and your opponent has to make a choice. Do they go after Supergiant or do they let Supergiant potentially get a Devastate Intellect off? Right. And it's all about forcing the other person to make bad decisions. Exactly. Like you and I specifically have talked about this on this show before of decision points. And that to me is a very huge, very critical decision point for an opponent because look, it's easy for me to say if I'm seeing a Supergiant just juiced up for power, oh, She's not going to get the Devour Mind. It's cool. My Hulk is safe. And then all of a sudden, boom, bad things happen. Hulk is staggered and stunned and Devoured Minded. You know, it's just all bad. It's just all bad. Hopefully if you're field dressed nearby. Exactly. Hopefully I hadn't used it yet. (laughs) But uh, it's just, I think all of this is just really interesting and unique. And it's one of those things where... I think that, and by the way, Hulk can't be stunned, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> just either way, Hulk doesn't like being staggered, so we'll just go with that. Maybe Hulkbuster. We'll, we'll say Hulkbuster. He doesn't like being stunned and staggered. But either way, it's, it's really interesting. Now, let me ask you this, Leland. Do you think it's problematic that there is an attack in the game now that is one-shot kill? I don't, no. Um... And the reason I the reason I think this is the case is it is an eight dice attack. If that was doing damage, that has a very reasonable chance of getting almost the exact same effect off um, on somebody. Because it's not unreasonable to think that on eight dice you're going to see five, six successes on there. That might be enough to to put somebody into a day state or put somebody into a KO'd state. Um, I think what Devoured Mind is it's it's just cutting out the middleman. It's it's that it's what the spike damage would be if you spiked on an eight dice attack. I think you nailed it right there. It It is replacing your spike damage with an effect that is unlikely to happen. And and that's that's it right there. Now, the only caveat is against beefy characters. Like I've mentioned Hulk, She-Hulk, Hulkbuster multiple times and for a reason in that those are the characters that are most susceptible to this, but we've seen them be in a pretty good place right now. So having this threat out there to them, I think is okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of interesting things with this and, and we'll talk about ways to kind of maybe bolster this to try to chase that dragon a little bit. And look, I'm going to be chasing that dragon but it's just about uh, Absolutely. the opportune times to do it. So with that now, let's talk about her superpowers. First up, we have an active superpower, so it happens on her turn, Submit. And it will cost you power equal to X. So this character may spend up to five power to use this superpower. Choose a civilian token within range X of this character, where X is the amount of power spent to use this superpower. This character may interact with the chosen token without paying the power cost. 
Holy moly. You know, I think this is an ability that looks better than it actually is. I completely agree with you, but why do you say that? So, if I recall correctly, I think there's only five crisis cards that involve civilians. Um, so you're you're limited in how often this is even going to go off. If you don't happen to pull the right crisis, or the other person doesn't happen to pull the right crisis, um, you might have an ability that's just a dead ability uh, on the table, right? Exactly. Uh, if you if there was more civilian tokens in play in the game, this would be an absolutely amazing ability like imagine if panic was still playable oh my god i know right (laughs) um so it's it's a solid ability it's just it's limited in its in its application yeah i think that's really fair point right there and i think that that's kind of what it is like for me it's exciting being able to interact with objectives from range five when i say holy moly about this i just say the fact that unless you play a lot of rocket and you kind of understand what range five looks like on the table or maybe cable range five is a lot of distance. So 10 inches, I think, I mean, I don't know the actual measurements to be fair. However, all I'm saying is it's further than you think, which I really love. So anytime we see something that has range five is really cool, but specifically the crises, crises, Crisis sissies? Yeah, we'll go with crisis sissies. That this actually matters for are spider infected, scrolls infiltrate world leadership, and senators. However, you can't actually interact with the safe house token. You have to be able to interact with the senator once it's been found. So basically, someone has to drop it in order for you to even have an opportunity to pick it up there. So that is the only ones that are interesting. But what I do think this ability does is change up how you might build your Black Order squad or roster. And like, if you see one of these spider-infected type crises on the table, well, now Supergiant's a very interesting choice to put on the tabletop. Oh, definitely. And there's definitely play in the ability. Um, it's just, I, I would not form an entire game plan around it because you might not get the cards you need for it. Absolutely. But I, I think having her in your Black Order roster as a way to, if you see these things, that's an interesting play. And, and you could play to like, if you build your Black Order roster with Skrulls and Spider-Infected, I mean, I don't know if you would want to do that. I'm not a diehard Black Order player but I think that you could make something interesting there, especially given what we're going to talk about further down the line on the show. Definitely. Yeah. So next up we have a reactive superpower. And so that means there's going to be a trigger and we'll read what that is. I'll highlight that. And then it tells you when you can use it. Supreme control for two power. When an allied character within range four of this character would be pushed. So there's your trigger at any point when an allied character would be pushed while they're within range four of Supergiant, This character may use this superpower. The allied character is not pushed. Indomitable on Supergiant's card. I am here for it. This makes sure you sad, Panda. 
It makes Shuri a sad panda. It makes Wakanda in general a sad panda. And I will say, I said indomitable on a stick. It's not indomitable because it doesn't turn off throws. It only turns off pushes. But for things like Wakanda, Shuri, uh, Juggernaut's pushing ability, Hulk's push, you know, stuff like that, I think this is... There's a lot of pushes out there. Exactly. There's there's too many to note. Uh, Web Warriors are going to hate this. Oh, man. Like, I'm so stoked for this. I, I think it's an absolutely great ability. I think two power is spot on for it. It's going to frustrate people beyond belief uh, when they're on the receiving end of it. Uh, and I love that it's range four. Right. I, I think that's a, a good range for it. It's a lot of range, but it's not too much. And it makes your positioning with super giant matter, which I really like. And it's interesting to note here, it says when an allied character within range four of this character She's allied to herself, so she can use this on herself. It doesn't say when another allied character. So that means Supergiant can avoid being pushed herself. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely a really good thing in there. Um, and if she didn't have that, like if it was only allied characters, I'd probably feel a little bit worse about the two power for it. It, it would still be worth it. Um, but I, I definitely like the fact that it, it does include her as well. Exactly. So the last few superpowers we have here are a few innate superpowers. First up, we have ethereal. So because it's innate, always has it, this is always on. If this character would suffer two or more damage from a physical attack or collision, it suffers one damage instead. Additionally, if this character suffers damage from a physical attack or collision, it drops all objective tokens it is holding. This is really interesting, Leland. This is a really fascinating one for sure. Yeah, I don't know exactly how to feel about this other than it's pretty awesome, first of all. Second of all, it's only for physical. So like people like Rocket, people... Like, I mean, Guardians in general are going to have a field day with this, you know, but she's got three energy defense, so that makes it maybe a little okay into those matchups. But I feel like certain matchups, like this this character to me is shaping up as like a certain matchup killer, if you will, right? Like it's just, just turning off certain matchups and like Brotherhood, for example, right? Brotherhood is going to hate this, right? Like... Why in the world would Juggernaut want to even bother attacking Supergiant? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And so I think there's some really interesting play and counterplay that you can do with her here. And the fact that it's two or more damage from physical attacks is very interesting, right? So that means characters that have rapid fire and stuff like that are going to be pretty strong against her. Now, granted, even then, I think you're still nickel and diamond yourself. Like if I have a rapid fire character, like say I have Domino, right? And let's say I'm hitting her rapid fire trigger every time. If I'm rolling two or more damage each time, but I still have to use both of my actions just to deal with Super Giant, I don't know if I feel like that's good or not. Because I think it is. It's a. It's a. It's a war of attrition against physical. That physical is just always going to feel bad coming out of. Right. And, and here's the thing. So like 
if you're using both of your actions for rapid fire attacks to deal with super giant and you still don't end up killing her and she's there tooled up with all this power and she's got supreme control online and then maybe she hasn't even activated yet and she's got mental vampire and she can start healing herself up a little bit i i mean this is really interesting right She's going to be tricky to take down. Like if you if you run into a a very physical um, uh, list, like Supergiant is just going to be a colossal pain for the other person to take down. And for exactly the reasons you've stated on that one, uh, like honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that she drops all objective tokens when she gets punched, like this would be an absolutely bonkers defensive tech for her. Oh, yeah. And, and that's the thing. This is her defensive tech, right? Like. We always talk about different characters having different types of defensive tech and stuff like that. This is one of the most unique and interesting bits of defensive tech I think I've ever seen. And again, when we talk about a character holding an objective token and then dropping it when they take damage from a physical attack, that's another thing. If she takes damage from an energy or a mystic attack, she's still holding that objective. No, it's, it, it's, it's really fascinating. I think it makes her excellent piece to throw down on an objective especially like a, a back or a midfield objective oh yeah i think like we've talked about with spider infected already i think that scenario specifically is going to be one of her bread and butters because like okay fine attack her fine she drops it but now you've either got to make a choice use another action to come and pick that up potentially or keep going after her now she's tooled up you know who knows kind of what different kind of patterns you're going to be able to see there a little bit or and and the reason why i mentioned spider infected specifically is because you can get your own infected pretty safely with her turn one grab that and then you're just hanging out and controlling and stuff you know what i mean like i, I love that well and i think she actually brings something interesting to black order in the sense of that the rest of black order is very aggressive Mm -hmm. um, like they, they want to get up, they want to get in your face. Super giant can actually hang back and sit on an objective and you don't, you don't really feel bad about doing so. Right. Like you don't feel bad giant, about right? her sitting on your back demon portal because, okay, fine. She gets incinerated. She's still going to roll at least one physical die on defense. Yep. So yeah, I love it. And then another innate superpower we have here is omnipathy. 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 Omnipathy? Omnipathy. <laughs> when an enemy character within range three of this character rolls one or more critical results in any role, after the effect is resolved, this character gains one power. I love it. I love it. I love it. I I actually had to read this one a couple times because at first I was thinking it's like when she rolls any crits. Um but uh, no, I, I think it's really, it's really great because it does mean that if you're if you're getting in close to Supergiant and going after her, not only are you going to be powering her up just by dealing damage to her, but if you happen to spike and get a couple crits in there, like you're you're going to get that you're going to give them that much more power, right? Exactly, and like we talked about earlier, look, Devour Mine. The math on it is not great outside of Black Order without some Death Decree and without extra help, right? However. It is still a threat. It is still a threatening thing, and it is a potential thing that you have to be aware of. So 
also kind of acts a little bit like defense against uh, rapid fire attacks, if you want to think about it as well. Because if you're rapid firing into them, sure, they're only four, maybe five dice uh, when you're rolling them. But those are chances of rolling a bunch of crits as well, right? Exactly. Exactly. So it's one of those things that uh, I'm I'm really excited that this is on here. And it's the first time we've seen anything that is when an enemy does a particular die roll, you get an effect. Whereas like we've seen things where scientific hubris on Dr. Octopus, where when he rolls crits, he gets power. Or when you've got... Um, Dr. Voodoo rolling skulls, he gets a power. But this is when the enemy rolls certain results, power happens. So I'm really excited to see that. I, I think it's a really interesting design space for them to be in. I am all for it. Absolutely. Next up, and the final innate superpower we have here is Gem Bearer Soul. So this is one that a lot of people were kind of expecting her to have. And I love it. I think the Soul Gem is pretty cool. And for those of you that might not remember the soul gem it says that it's an innate power all in its own right and it gives the bearer one additional threat when an enemy character within range four of this character uses a active or reactive superpower this character gains one power after the effect is resolved so not only is she going to get one additional power during the power phase for having the gem, also if she's kind of up close enough to where other people are using superpowers around her, and then if she's within range three of them, Omnipathy, like she's really doing some interesting things with power generation here. I, I do not think that she is going to be struggling for power at all. Yeah, I don't but, either. And I, it's funny that we say that because when we look at her <laughs> mental vampire attack, it's only a single power gainer. But when you kind of put all the tools together, I think she's going to be solid. Put her into the center of the board on, say, like um, like a demons or gamma shelter or something like that. She's going to pick a power like nobody's business. And she's going to be able to get devastated intellect off, you know, two, three times a game if you don't take her out, right? Because she's just going to be kept, she's just going to be fed power, which is, you know, bonkers when you really break it down. That's just it. <laughs> It's it's pretty nuts, and it's a character that the sum is greater than the individual parts, I think. Would you agree? The, the, yeah, the, the whole card together paints a very interesting picture for the character. I think that's where a lot of the discussion online is kind of getting um, uh, held up at the moment. I think a lot of people are just focusing on the devastated intellect or the ethereal. Like they're just looking at one or two uh, parts of it and they're not looking at the card as a whole. And I think when you put the whole card together, you have a really fascinating three or four threat character uh, with Supergiant. Exactly. I've seen some people say that she's a four threat character even without the soul gem. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, like, I think that she does some really interesting things. I, I think that she plays a control weird weirdly control game like she has the submit which is grabbing extracts which is fine she's got the supreme control which interestingly enough control game there you go it's literally in the name supreme control but that's kind of like an anti-control thing but i think like it's just all all together makes this kind of interesting character like she can't displace characters herself but she stops people from displacing characters Right. And then, so, oh, go ahead. 
Well, what I was going to say, it's really interesting because like locally, a bunch of guys have just started getting into the game. And one of the one of the initial takes uh, from one guy who's getting into the game who's playing Black Order was that he it almost felt like he or it almost seemed, it sounded like he was very warm on Devastate Intellect simply because it, it didn't do that damage. Right. Mm hmm. So that that kind of resulted in a bit of a, a a chain of comments and conversation, where it's like, sure, it doesn't do damage, but look at everything else it does. Look at what the rest of her kit does. Look at what she does on the board and how she's going to influence the other person's play. Because that's the thing: everything in her kit is something that the other person always has to be aware of. That's exactly it. It's every it, you have to be aware of what she's doing, and then not only that, like let's think about devastate intellect just from its power sapping ability, right? So, and again, it's eight power, people. You're not going to see this all the time. Granted, she should have no problem with power generation, especially if you slap the soul gem on her. But let's just think about her, and you're not going to be using this very often. You might see it twice a game, maybe, I think. It's, it's kind of like the realistically, because if... Maybe if you're not playing into control-heavy teams, you'll see it more because she's not spending on supreme control. She's not spending on submit. But I think that that goes into the squad-choosing aspect of this character. This is also not a character that you're going to see very often on the tabletop, except for very specific matchups, I think. I think this is a matchup-specific character, not a plug-and-play character, but does have some splash ability. But I want to go back to Devastate Intellect here for a second. So... Let's say you have a character like Gamora, who's maybe taken a couple damage, is on her injured side, right? And she's getting ready to be tooled up, and, and, and she's ready to go. Maybe you can get a Devastate Intellect off and drain her of some of her power, so now she's not able to do an Assassin's Leap. Maybe she's not able to do her Spender Attack. Maybe she's not able to do a Martial Prowess. Stuff like that, you know? So, like... I think that those little aspects of this are what make it interesting. And another thing about Supergiant here is I think she becomes a battery for certain tactics cards, certain ones. Specifically, follow me with her is going to be awesome. I had not even thought about that. She should have power for days. You don't even have to use Devastate Intellect. Like if you use Devastate Intellect, you're probably not going to get a follow me. However... She should have the power. And if you've got her in the right spot on your team, playing a follow me strategy with her could be really amazing. You just, just, just think about this for a second, Leland. Okay. I want, I want to give you something here that I think is the utter spice of spiciness. We're talking like habanero, ghost pepper, burn in your mouth, all to hell spiciness. Are you ready for this? Super Giant, follow me into Proxima, into Corvus, husband and wifing. Yep, yep. I, I think I think that is the natural progression of where Super Giant is going. That is just mean. You get all your activations out of the way right off the get go, and you've probably just decimated the other team. Yeah, I, I mean, look, if you absolutely positively need to kill something, I, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't do it right there. 
And I, I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And, and look, it's not going to be for everything. You're not going to be able to use that every time and, and, and realize when you do something like that, you're burning through your activations, but you're also potentially killing easily any big time model in the game right now. You're easily killing it. Maybe killing more than one model in a turn like that. And then you've got a super giant who maybe was a little bit damaged up, who healed a little bit and now can give some supreme control out maybe, or can maybe do some submitting or something. I don't know, but it, I think that that kind of pattern is really, really interesting. It makes for a very strong mid game play, uh, which I think is, I mean, it's not something that black order is necessarily hurting with at the moment, but it's just, it's something that makes them that much more intimidating. Exactly. And, and it's, it's like, Hey, um, you don't get to play this turn, so have fun, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, you're you're activating most of your stuff in one go, but odds are good that you know the other person is only going to have a couple of people to activate themselves. Exactly. So, I think that's something fun, and I'm excited to see people throw that out there on the table. So now let's talk, Leland, about affiliations, and I think that Super Giant. Obviously, we know she's in Black Order, and I think a Thanos-led Black Order is fine for her, and we'll talk about where else the leaders come from from Black Order here in a few minutes. But I think Black Order is obviously a natural fit. I think that if you kind of are trying to play her with Thanos, Corvus Proxima, and you're trying to play it like 19, I think you could maybe choose different people at that to make that 19 there with her i think like someone like nebula probably fits that play style a little better for like 18 obviously uh but like i think there's other threes you could throw in but i think against certain matchups so like if you're playing something wide you know if you're playing into like a web warriors i think super giant is definitely a very strong candidate i think if you're playing into brotherhood super giant strong candidate i think if you're playing something like a spider infected, having a super giant on your team is very interesting. I think playing on scrolls, like I know scrolls is a very popular crisis for the Black Order. And I think that she's a really interesting candidate there, especially if you've got Soul Gem on her potentially. Like even if you don't, I think she's still a good candidate for that because let's say nobody finds it for the first two rounds. Well, now Super Giant's sitting there and she can maybe interact with it from a little farther away, get it, and then just be fairly safe unless they have to like come after her, you know? I, I think she definitely plays well into a bunch of different uh, uh, crisis scenarios. I think that she's very, she's very dependent on the matchup though. Like obviously you're not going to want her for everything, but I think she makes an excellent addition to a lot of rosters. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that there's no like excellent, excellent place other than black order. I think I would put her in like I could see her. Guardians. I was going to say, I see her in Guardians. I think Guardians is a really interesting place, but why do you say that? <clears throat> well, the uh, um, winging it tokens, first off, they give her a little bit of rerolls if she does get her Devastate Intellect off. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think is just rude, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but she also fits with the fact that so much of Guardians is already three threat as well. So you can fit her in pretty easily. She doesn't disrupt uh, the plan all that much. She is 
going to be beefier. Like she's going to be a lot more durable than I think her, her one physical defense lets on. Because, uh, I mean, let's be honest, three energy defense, while it's not amazing, it's nothing to scoff at. And four mystic defense is, you know, it's four mystic defense. Who who doesn't like four mystic defense? So it's not like she's getting taken down easily. <laughs> so she brings a bit of durability to Guardians. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think she's pretty durable. And then she gives Guardians another one of those characters. It's like, okay, if you attack this character, well, here's Ghost Rider gaining power, potentially, you know, and just making you feel bad later on. <laughs> yep, yep, so. definitely. Um, I also think, um, for some reason, the, the, the idea has been going in the back of my mind. I like the idea of her in Midnight Suns as well. Oh, um, that's interesting. Just Well, just because the, the bump could be the difference between having her within range four of a character for Supreme Control, or it could be the difference of getting them within range three to try and gain some power back for uh, for uh, un- omnipathy. Oh yeah, oh um, omnipathy. Ah, oh, see, you said it better. <laughs> I I'm I'm just winging it here. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, though, like having that extra that extra um, like range one place on a you know short movement small base is is nice. It just gets her into a little bit of a better position. And that can make the difference between, you know, doing a devastate intellect late game or, you know, just doing another mental vampire. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So absolutely. And real quick, I do wanna I do want to note another pretty awesome reason for her in Black Order. And uh shout out all the way goes to uh Simon Matlas on this one. He mentioned it on uh the Facebook post I made with this. He says let me remind everyone out there about a little-known card, Blood to Spare. So this is another, like, fun little thing that I think Supergiant gets to do here. Blood to Spare is a Black Order-specific card. It is reactive. When a Black Order character would be dazed by an enemy effect, it may spend three power to play this card. The character immediately performs an attack before gaining the dazed token. Listen to this. If this attack results in the character removing damage, mental vampire, (laughs) it is not dazed. That's just rude. Isn't that amazing? Oh my goodness. That is rude beyond belief. I I love it. Like, that's amazing. And it's so much fun. Like, Everybody always was like, oh, yeah, that's just some future proofing, blah, 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 this and that. And, like, no one in Black Order has the ability to remove damage. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, here comes Supergiant being like, so about all this power I'm going to have and I'm going to be able to save it for a little blood to spare. (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. Oh, that is so rude. (laughs) And uh, thank you, Simon, for that and also for becoming a suit very recently. I really appreciate that. And if you want to know how you can become a suit as well, you can check out patreon.com slash house party protocol. Come hang out with us over there and it gets you access to our discord for as little as a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year. You can come and hang out in the, the illest, the chillest, the realest, the thrillest, the bestest, most greatest hot and spicy discord that has ever existed. And Leland can confirm this. I sure can. So, although I'm, I'm just going to point out as a Canadian, I, I'm actually paying about 50 cents more 
uh, on everything. So, you know, I, I get a little hosed, but you know. Oh, oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, I hope it's still worth it. I hope it's still valuable to you. <laughs> you're, you're squeaking by so far. Squeaking by. So anyways, you can come hang out with us. If you want to support the show, support our giveaways and uh, all of that stuff and uh, help us. Like I've got this new setup here and I really appreciate that all the suits out there have helped there. And, uh, you know, we'll be getting out of the cocoon and getting sound panels on the wall soon to make everything sound extra great for all the suits out there. And it's all because of the patrons, all because of the suits. And I can't thank you enough. And if you want to check that out, uh, like I said, it's patreon.com slash house party protocol. And you can also send us messages on our Facebook page. It's just house party protocol podcast. Find us over on Facebook. It's a great way to interact. And then, um, you can send us emails, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. And yeah, that's that's all of that promotion for now. But definitely, definitely worth it though. Thank you, Leland. I appreciate that. So before we move on, did you have anything else to say about Supergiant and like affiliation stuff? Because I think I'd be remiss, remiss if I didn't say that like there's some interesting web warrior play there i i think you're absolutely right actually i think she actually pairs well with them um all things considered i feel a little dirty right now but um no i i, I think i think there's there's something there i think she offers a little bit of a durability piece that web warriors might be lacking at the moment yeah and the anti-control like they like to play control so like being able to turn off control into like the mirror matchup and stuff, I think is very interesting. Mm -hmm. So I really like that. I also really like her in CS, especially the, well, actually either leadership CS, because getting a reroll is always going to be nice and spicy when you're trying to devour someone's mind. But realistically, the Kingpin version of the leadership, she's cheap enough to where one of the things they are susceptible to is that control element. So being able to stop someone from being pulled off of a point, I think is really nice and sweet. Yeah, it just lets you kind of dig your heels in, and it just makes it a pain to remove. A pain? She, she's very splashable. She is, interestingly enough. Like, but, it, but again, I want to I reiterate, it's so matchup dependent. Like, if she's in your roster, you might go a whole tournament and not use her but when you do run into a Web Warriors, when you do run into a Brotherhood, when you run into like someone like Carnage would hate this model. <laughs> oh, I want to run her against Carnage now. Right? Like, I, I just, I think that there's some really interesting play there. And, you know, when I look at a character like this and all this mystic stuff, I think to myself, hmm, convocation. And honestly, though, I, I don't see it with with her as much as I do with some other ones. Like, I think the follow me idea with her is interesting, especially if you have the soul gem on her. So like in convocation, trying to use her as a follow me battery. But I'd have to play around with that a little more before I feel good about it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really feeling her in convocation. I think convocation has other pieces that they kind of need to to make them pop off. And I don't necessarily think Supergiant is one. Exactly. So <laughs> Now let's talk about these tactics cards that come with these characters. And I'll take the, the first one and the third one, and you take the middle one. How does that sound? Oh, sounds good. All right. So first up, we have Black 
Onslaught. It is a Black Order specific card, so you have to be running the Black Order affiliation to use this card. It is a reactive card. If Black Swan is within range two of an allied Black Dwarf when she uses the Charge Superpower, so lots of qualifiers there, has to be within range two of Black Dwarf, has to use the Charge Superpower. They may each spend one power to play this card, so they each also have to have one extra power. So, like, Charge is going to cost her two, so she has to have another power on top of that, and then Black Dwarf has to have a power. After the charge movement action is resolved, but before making the attack action, you may place Black Dwarf within range one of Black Swan. Yes. This is the card I've been waiting for for Black Dwarf. Seriously. I I, I love this card. Uh, like, have, have you already seen the, the combo going around that people have been discussing? I, I have not. Enlighten me. <laughs> All right, so it's Black Swan with the power gem. Yep. Right? So first, like, you can do this first action of the game because she gets three power right off the bat. She moves forward a little bit, stays within range two of uh, of Black Dwarf, spends two power for a charge, one power for the uh, the Black Onslaught. Black Dwarf spends one power. She charges forward medium, then places Black Dwarf within range one of her after she, after she moves. Mm-hmm. So now Black Dwarf is basically in the middle of the board. And he hasn't activated yet. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And uh, now you have a black doof right in your face. A <laughs> black doof right in your face. Exactly. This is awesome. And, like, Black Dwarf has been one of those characters that for pretty much the entirety of his lifetime in the game, it's been, this character is good, but has problems getting where they need to be. Like, he's very tanky. He can hit like a Mack truck. And I mean, he's one of the very few four threat characters that has a six dice builder attack. So being able to get him up the board where he doesn't have to, and I would say waste, and I mean waste actions to get to where he wants to be and he can just be right there to just start swinging. Oh yeah, I mean... Like, this is like Rocket in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movies when he grabs the gun. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it goes one further, even. Um, you actually finally get a legitimate way to make use of intimidating presence with him as well. Oh, absolutely. If he's with, yeah, because if he's within range two um, of a character that is attacking one of your people, you just drop the two power and say, no, you're, you're now going to attack Black Dwarf instead. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So I think this is really nice. And I think it, again, gives you options as a Black Order player, right? Like we've seen so much of the like it's Thanos with two gems, Corvus, Proxima, Corvus with a reality gem, right? And and then you just season to taste from there. Well, now we've got not only these new characters, but we're going to have new tactics cards (laughs) that give these characters really interesting ways to play. And let's also think about what this implies for things like Mothership. So now you've got a black onslaught that you can mothership off of. I, I mean, like, that's devastating. That could be devastating. Oh, yeah. It, it's just, it's another tool to get a black order character right in your face. And frankly, that is the last place you want any black order characters, right? Like, it's, I, I love it. I, I think, I think this card is fantastic. I think it's great. <clears throat> so I'm going to do other one and then we'll save the the one that is the most uh 
most people are ex probably excited for for last. So the next card we have here is Psychic Shockwave. It is an unaffiliated active card. So it has to be on, on your turn that you play this. But it's unaffiliated so that you can splash the two characters that are involved here into other affiliations and then get this off, which I'm super stoked for. Super Giant and Ebony Maw may each spend three power to play this card. Roll five dice for each enemy character holding an objective token. The enemy character suffers one damage for each critical and wild result rolled. A character damaged in this way drops all objective tokens it is holding. The player playing this card chooses the order in which the characters are affected. So it's uh, well-laid plans, but with Maw and Supergiant. Now, it is important to note here, Maw is a five-threat character. Supergiant is a three-threat character. Maw is typically going to be played with the Space Gem right now. That's the popular thing at the moment overall. And then Supergiant probably is going to have the Soul Gem. Probably. Maybe not, but I don't think you need it. But if you want to get that little extra power gen. So what that means is you're committing 10 threat of your squad to this card. So I think this is really cool, really awesome. If I'm playing Maw and Supergiant in my convocation, this is intriguing. But I don't know how often I'm going to use it because it is a heavy, heavy investment. I think the card makes your roster uh, more often than not if you're playing Black Order. Um, I think it solves uh, an issue that some Black Order was having with the objective game, where once people got the objectives, sometimes you might not be able to catch up to them or anything like that, or they'd just be able to like, squirrel away uh, some of the uh, the extracts. This forces a drop on them, which is really nice. It gives it gives you, as a Black Order player, a little bit of briefing room to reassess the game state and maybe catch up. <laughs> That's exactly where I think its power lies is... The grab and go is not going to be as powerful into Black Order as it has been in the past if the Black Order player is running this. But again, the Black Order player, in order to run this, they've got to have Maw and Supergiant. And if one or the other is KO'd, then this card is a dead card. But as we've talked about before, both characters kind of hard to KO right now. Now, now think, think about this. 20 threat. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have uh, you have Corvus Glaive, you have Supergiant, you have Ebony Maw, so you're you're you have your your affiliation there. Then splash in uh, a little Green Goblin and Doctor Octopus. Oh yeah, and you splash in a Well Laid Plans. So now you have a Psychic Shockwave and a Well Laid Plans to basically just completely mess with your extract game, the entire game. And just, like, as soon as they pick a whole bunch of things up, it's like, no, 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 you're going to drop them all. Oh, you, you picked them back up again? No, 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 we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty wonderful. And just so you know, another important part about this card and Well-Laid Plants, it does not have to be on either of those characters' turns. You can use it as long as it is your active turn. It doesn't have to be on Supergiant or Ebony Maw or Dr. Octopus or Green Goblin's turn. Now, so you're you're setting up a husband and wife turn, for instance, you know, just a psychic shock wave or well laid plans and uh, pick up the aftermath. Exactly. I really like this. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's one of those things that that combo you talked about, super exciting. But I also will say 
I think it's one of those, it's, it's falls in the category of more cute than good, but it's definitely something that I think would be fun to see on the tabletop. Nonetheless, it's a troll move is what it is. It's definitely <laughs> a troll move. But uh, speaking of troll moves, let's talk about this last card, Leland. What do you got for us? All right. So we got first of the Black Order. So this is a Black Order affiliated card. It is reactive. If your squad does not contain Thanos the Mad Titan, after deployment, when you would normally select your leadership ability, Corvus Glaive may play this card. Corvus Glaive gains the following leadership ability. And it's your active leadership ability. So it's the right-hand man. When an allied Black Order character dazes or KOs an enemy character, all other Black Order characters gain one power. Very interesting. And it's very, very important to point out here. When an allied Black Order character specifically... So if you splash someone that's not Black Order affiliated in... They are not getting a benefit of this. Allied Black Order character dazes, all other Black Order characters gain. So very important there. And uh, if you're playing this at home and maybe, or when this pack releases and you've never really played it before or your friend's playing it for the first time, make sure to take note of that because it's one of those things that's it's very unique in the leadership space. It is also worth noting that as of now, AMG has not said anything about the fact that this counts as like an extra card, like the Convocation Bar with No Doors does. So this is part of your 10 and part of your 5 Tactics cards. Yeah, so it, it definitely has a cost attached to it. Uh, I really like it. I this, this is my hot take on it, and I know... Many, many people disagree with me on it already because I've already had the conversation a couple times. I like this leadership more than Thanos' leadership. Okay, so I don't disagree with you in a vacuum, right? Like In I a think, vacuum, yes. That, that is a very important distinction right there. You are absolutely right. In a vacuum. Right. One for one, I do think this is a better, much more versatile leadership than what Thanos' leadership is, especially healthy side versus injured side, right? Like Thanos has more or less two leaderships and the healthy side leadership on Thanos doesn't really come into play often. Like it does every once in a while and, and certainly Black Order is able to get the most out of it in most instances, but like trying to get those KOs and make it meaningful to get those VPs is a little harder than it might seem. Whereas this, dazes or KOs, boom, everybody's getting a power. I mean, I think that's really nice and strong. And again, we've already talked about characters like Supergiant here, like Black Swan, like now Black Dwarf, Corvus Glaive, Proxima. All of these characters have a lot of ways to use their power. And sometimes they can get a little power starved because they've just burned through it all, right? But now Black Swan's going to be able to charge you know, a lot earlier potentially, or or do something else. Maybe she should be able to use her I beam thing to incinerate someone, and and then you know give some power out to somebody else. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of different options for this, but I think this is really good actually, and it really incentivizes I think people to try it. You know what I mean? I I think this leadership basically says. We see how Black Order players are playing, 
So we're going to reward you for it. Yeah. And I think that's what I like most about it. It, it allows you to go hard into the other person's team, spend your power to, to do a whole bunch of shenanigans, get that days off, get that KO off. And now all of a sudden you're, you're now he, like, you're now giving power to the rest of your team, which I mean, who doesn't like that? Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's a reason why uh, R and D is, is such, is such a popular card, even after it's changes, because you're giving power to the rest of your team and mm -hmm. everyone loves that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that if you're playing black order now, you, you have a versatility option here. And I think that, you're likely going to see this card, Black Onslaught, and definitely Blood Despair if you're playing Supergiant, which I think you are if you're playing Black Order. I think you're going to see those three cards in a 10, in, a, in your 10 roster, but also I think you're going to see them kind of deployed in very specific scenarios, right? Like, I don't think you're going to just straight up see Thanos leave the meta, if you will. I think that you're still going to see a ton of Thanos, but I think given certain matchups, you might see Corvus with this leadership be more more played. Well, more let's just say somebody happens to to pull a 14 or a 15 thread on you, right? Yeah. Well, Black Order has kind of struggled on on those those lower points sometimes. This now gives them a way of playing the lower points without sacrificing the leadership. Exactly. So what would what would a 14 point squad look like for them? You've got Corvus with the with the reality gem. We're just gonna assume that. He gets leadership. Proxima, she's three, so that's eight, right? And then what do you do? You do super giant to make eleven and then a random three threat, or you could you could throw Black Swan in there as another five threat. So eight that's 13, throw Nebula in to make 15. Did, did you give Corvus the reality? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Because Corvus with the reality with five. Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. I think 14 is still a tricky a tricky space for them. Yeah. But it gives them a lot more flexibility. Um, I like at 15 actually doing uh, Corvus, Proxima, uh, Black Swan, and Black Dwarf. <clears throat> yeah. Oh yeah. Like I think you sacrifice gems on that one, but right. I now, think it uh, I think it makes for a very interesting fifteen threat list. I completely agree with you there. But one of the things we talked about with Black Swan is that the, the power gem might be stapled to her card. Yeah, yeah. No, that so, is that is a very valid point. So I think that when we're talking <laughs> about Black Swan and when we're talking about Corvus, I think we start from a position of they have the gems and then we kind of work back from there. And that's why I think that I agree with you. I think that this opens up some play for them, but I think you just might have to get a little bit creative. Where I do think this does is open up characters like Black Dwarf, right? So now yeah. you can Corvus Proxima, obviously with the Reality Gem there, that's your eight. You bring in Black Dwarf, that's 12. And then you have a Nebula or a Rocket or some, you know, some random two threat to make your 14. And at least you're playing four wide on a sword base or on a senators and you probably feel okay about it. It's still not great for sword base specifically, but I don't think you hate it. Yeah. It did. But the important thing is, as, as we've said, it's those options, right? Exactly. And that, that is something that black order. I don't want to necessarily say he struggled with, but it's definitely something that 
has impacted the way they play at the lower threat. Um, because I mean, leaderships, while they're not vital to the game, they do bring a lot to an, uh, to a team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I really like this. I, I think this is great. Um, and the fact that they stapled it onto Corvus, uh, as opposed to making it just any one of the black order could pick it up. Uh, I think was an interesting decision, but I think it's one that for the purposes of, uh, of balance, I think it works really nicely. Absolutely. So real quick though, let's move over and talk about some show questions. We're not going to be able to get into all of these, unfortunately, because we have a ton of them and we're already running a little bit long right now, but we do have some show questions that we are going to discuss here. And first up we have sure thing. He says, is mono black order a thing now that there are more models and threat diversity. And even if I paint them nice, am I the worst, most awful person in my meta for doing it? <laughs> uh, first of all, I do think Mono Black Order is super amounts of a thing now. I mean, you've got Thanos, Corvus, Proxima, Supergiant, Black Dwarf, Ebony Maw, and Black Swan. You've got seven models that you can start your roster building from and then splash in three other characters, and you have a lot of diversity there that I think is very interesting and very fun. Definitely. Definitely. I think it's uh, I, I think it's something that a lot of people are going to kind of be diving into, and we're going to see a lot of interesting lists kicking around. Yep. And uh, yeah, no, you are definitely the most most awful person for doing that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're not awful. Well, awful. I was going to say he's an awful person, but not for doing that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> he's an awful person. I'm sure there's, there's other so... reasons. I'm sure he's an awful person. Sure. Sure. For making me feel yeah, so yeah. bad about my own painting with his awesome painting. That's what it is. I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. I hate I'm that. kidding. So next up, Barncat says, is Black Order the premier sword team at 14 now? <laughs> this I don't know because I still think that. 14 and sword specifically at least in how i play i think playing control with that and being able to manipulate control elements on that are really the most important thing for me this is just a me thing however i do think black order has some strong play there i think that they're going to be able to kill those more controlly focused teams at 14 i think they're going to be really hard to deal with especially depending on your squad composition there i mean space maw in and of himself like if you play space maw and corvus that's 11 throw proxima in to make 14 like you're only running three wide so you might struggle in some instances however you should have the opportunity to daze or ko at least two models per turn and that's interesting <laughs> I do think CS might still have a little bit of an edge on them. Um, at least Kingpin CS. Well, not for Swords Pay to Flip. Oh, that's right. That's right. My apologies. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, when, you okay. think, when you think about the power <laughs> gen and everything that these characters are going to have with this leadership, I think it's interesting. All right. So here, here's an interesting thing, actually. Um, because Sword Base has a push at the very end of it, can you you can use reactive powers during the cleanup phase, right? As far as I know, you can. So Supergiant can completely negate the pushes. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah, so Supergiant in any squad, if you're playing on sword base, seems reasonable. So 
that's one that I might need a little clarification on. And if I get something different after this podcast drops, I will let you guys know. But I am nearly sure that you can do this. So our next question here, we have Nate coming in off the top rope with a, is first of the Black Order the worst leadership in the game now? Not that it's bad in itself, but is it the worst of the ones we have? Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I, I will fight Nate on this one. I, I do not think it's the worst at all. I like it a lot more than Thanos' leadership ability. Um, I feel it's more consistent, and I think consistency is is king in a lot of instances. Yeah, so let's, again, think about things in a vacuum, and then we'll think about them outside of that vacuum, right? In a vacuum, it's a million percent not the worst one, right? Because, like you said, it's one for one an upgrade on Thanos' leadership, arguably. So I, I agree with you there. However, outside of that vacuum, what would make it the worst one when it's passing out power for doing what the team is already going to be doing? And, and uh, I, I got an answer for you, but I, go for it. Uh, it's not attached to Thanos. And I think that's the problem with it. If you're bringing first to the Black Order, you're not bringing Thanos, and Thanos is just an amazing piece. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm with you. I, I think that it's very situational. I can, I can give you that. Like, I agree with, with Nate here that it's not bad. I think that you're not going to want to use it all the time. And, and that's the thing is it's going to come with practice and reps as to when to deploy this versus when to deploy Thanos. So, yeah. uh, let's go with uh, Nathan here. Nathan Bangel. I hope I said that right. Oh, man, I hope I said that right. Uh, he says, do you see BO being used more in TTS next season? Absolutely. Just Wasn't it already pretty well used this season as well? Like, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no question. No question. So, uh, next up, we've got another one from Sure Thing. Is the new leadership, and again, he says this here, admittedly probably underwhelming, designed to help Black Order handle wide teams, which were considered to be their main counter? I think yes is the answer. And I, you know, is it what people expected? Probably not. But underwhelming, like, again, when you look at it through that lens of, of like, what does it give you? It, it saves you three threat because you're most of the time running Thanos as an eight threat character. So it's going to save you three threat and provide you with a different way to play them. So I, I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to this underwhelming thing here. Yeah, I, I think people are kind of being a little harsh on it uh, right now. And I mean, it's fair enough. We haven't seen it on the board yet. We haven't seen it in practice. So I think it's completely fair to think that, you know, maybe it's not what we want it to be. Exactly. Uh, but I mean, I'm just getting fever dreams of watching uh, watching this one into Sam Spam, oh, and goodness, it makes absolutely. me a little giddy. <laughs> absolutely, and and look, it does have a high cost. It takes a tactics card slot. Like that's a thing. You can't discount that. But Black Order already had kind of what their cards they took, but it provides flexibility and makes you have to think about it. And I think that that's a good thing. So next up, Shadow Marvel says, now that we have a new leadership. 
a four slash five referring to black swan and a three slash four referring to super giant threat and some neat new toys. Why are we still only going to see Thanos Corvus Proxima? I, I, th- I think he's trying to get us to actually talk about, you know, the downfalls of, uh, of the new leadership and, you know, maybe why the Thanos meta will still sort of dominate for black order players. Look, I'll, I, I, I gotta say, I'm going to take this first here. I think we will still see that. That's not going away. It's still good. Like Thanos is still good. Corvus Proxima Thanos at 16, still good, right? Like that's not something that you're going to just see go away. And you'll probably see that a lot. However, I do think that there is play in this other stuff. And I think specifically, if you are asking me and how I like to play, I think Black Swan is extremely exciting. And is she the murder machine that Corvus is? No. But she provides a different type of game plan that if you drop Thanos and you put in Black Swan and Supergiant or Black Swan and Black Dwarf to play at 17, I don't think you're going to be disappointed with that. I really don't. And I think that there's some really interesting play to be had there. And you don't have to worry about your action economy being tied so heavily to a Thanos. Right. I I think I think one of the problems is that we're looking at it very much as a zero-sum game, that you either take Corvus and first the Black Order, or you take Thanos, right? Yeah. I, I think the ro- the way rosters are built, there's no reason why you can't put first of the Black Order into your roster, because let's be honest, if you're playing Black Order, Corvus is in your roster. <clears throat> what this does, though, is it just it gives that flexibility. So you're absolutely still going to see a lot of Thanos, Corvus, Proxima lists out there, and you know, for every good reason, you're going to see that because it works. I mean, it's effective. But having Corvus as an alternate just means that you now, as a Black Order player, have more options to approach the game. And that's never a bad thing. That's exactly <laughs> it right there, Leland. More options, never, ever a bad thing. So I think it's one of those things where it's just going to take time to develop and see kind of where things shake out. I mean, hell, we didn't see Black Cat pop off until recently. Like, she wasn't even a thing until recently. So we're going to have to see how things evolve in this going forward. Absolutely. So next up, we've got another one from Shadow Marble here. He says, real question. If Corvus is auto-include for reality, Swan is for power, and Ma is for space, and we can't mix and match gems, where does that leave Thanos for gems? This is a fantastic question. Because to your point, it's not a zero-sum game, but you do have to think about how you're going to load up your Thanos with gems, which the typical play has been mind space right now. Uh, There's also reality is a thing on Thanos, I know, in some places. But I got to say, I think that you can comfortably run a single gem Thanos, like throwing the mind gem on Thanos, I don't think is bad. And shout out to Barncat here. He talks about it. He says, mind and soul Thanos, also not bad. And and I can agree with that, but I think you could actually run a seven threat mind gem Thanos and be okay with it. Like it, it limits him a little bit, like his 
favorite play is to portal himself up with the space gem and then move and then grab people for the tractor beam, right? But if you're having to use an action to move for the first turn, I don't think it's as terrible as maybe it might seem. But again, we talked about like that action economy of Thanos and you can spread that action economy out amongst a black dwarf and black swan now and have a Corvus and Proxima also to kind of control your uh, priority stuff. So like, where does that leave Thanos for gems? I think it leaves him for the mind gem, definitely. But I think if you're just dead set on having an eight threat Thanos, then maybe you don't play Ebony Maw with the space gem. Well, I think what it also does is it actually opens the door for some different builds, right? Exactly. I think what I think what people might start doing is they might actually start looking at, you know, what utility do you get for putting, say, the time gem onto Thanos? Or, you know, you know what, uh, what do you gain out of, like, maybe only running one gem instead of two gems? And I think that's I think that's one of the problems that Black Order has kind of worked itself into at the moment, where it's almost pigeonholed itself into a certain build. And you kind of have to run that build for it to work. Mm-hmm. And what's happened is we've now kind of blown the doors open. We're we're moving some of that utility across the board, and we're seeing once again we're seeing more options. We're we're seeing we're seeing other characters kind of step in and offer the utility that used to be all encompassed within Thanos. That's exactly it. And I think that if you're dead set on having mind and space Thanos, like I said, kind of the tail end there, then you're not going to play Space Maw. And, and I think that that's a choice. Like, I, I don't think that, I know that Barncat's probably going to, like, kill me for saying this, but I don't think you have to play Space Maw. I, I don't think that you necessarily need to have Maw in your roster with the Space Gem. I think that, you know, you can get that utility out of Thanos that you would be getting out of Maw, right? So, like, if you're having to make that choice, maybe that's the choice. Otherwise, I think it's Thanos with the Mind Gem. But I think that you make a really good point, is it's the flexibility is going to be there, so maybe you don't have to be pigeonholed into this tooled-up, juiced-up Thanos to begin with. And I really like that take. So, uh, next up it says the uh, Tarquin Sweet Biscuits over here on our Discord says, do we still want Gamora and Nebula added to the affiliation after these recent additions? I would say yes. I would still love to yes. see that. Because, uh, absolutely. <laughs> man, being able to give like Nebula or Gamora some power when they daze or KO people sounds amazing. Uh, given the competition for gems, especially between Thanos and Maw for space, is a mono BO roster going to be too squeezed? Well, I mean, the juice is worth the squeeze, first of all. Second of all, <laughs> probably, like, I, I mean, that's what I just said. Like, I, I think you're going to just have to make a choice or you're going to have to try some different stuff. And that's okay. Yeah, there's, there's going to be some tough roster decisions uh, and squad decisions that are going to be made, but I think it's not going to take too long for, for the community to kind of shake it down and figure out what they want to do with it. Exactly. So we got a couple of more here. Schultz says, if you had to add a seventh Infinity Gem to the game, what would you call it? And then Half-Ass Ninja over the top says, there already is one. It's called the Continuity Stone, and Deadpool was holding it. Beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> which is absolutely wonderful. But uh, yeah, I would love to see the continuity stone here, but at the same time, that would make no sense at all. 
So adding a seventh one to the game, what would I call it? Um, I would probably want something that is like re-roll skulls thing. You know what I mean? That, that could that could be interesting. I don't know. I, I I'd, I'd like to I'd like to see a gem, and this would be completely janky. I'd like to see a, a gem that uh, actually re- like that actually mimics um, a leadership bonus from another team. Ooh, yeah, that'd be kind of neat. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, make it like yeah, make it like uh, it has to be at, at the start of at the start of a round. You pay X amount of power, like to be determined. Uh, choose a uh, choose a leadership uh, ability from another another affiliation for that turn. That leadership ability is in play. Oh yeah, that's neat. <laughs> that sounds crazy. Uh, so it'd be very cool. Next up, Vuk, he says um, FMK onto Black Swan Super Giant Proxima Midnight. And for those of you that don't know what FMK is, I'm going to give you the PG-13 version. Friend, marry, or kick out. Now, feel free to Google uh, if you want to what this actually is. But we're going to go with that. Thank you, Jera, for uh, helping me out there. So, who you got? Oh, geez. I, I, I don't know if I'm equipped to answer this question. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to answer it then. I'm I'm marrying Black Swan. I'm friending Supergiant and we're kicking out Proxima. Uh, I I think swap Proxima and Supergiant. Respect. I respect that. So with that suits, I I think that's going to do it because we we've definitely got a lot to think about here and realize also this is all like hot takes this stuff just came out so Feel free to send us messages over there on Facebook, like I said earlier, or at emails at housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. And uh, also, if you're part of our uh, Patreon, again, you can check that out, patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol, and you get access to our Discord there. And you can send us messages, let us know kind of uh, what your thoughts are there. Also, I'm going to formally announce here our next giveaway. And guess what it is, Leland? I'm going to go on Wild uh, Limb and guess it's something to do with Black Order. Yes, so I'm going to give away the (laughs) Black Order affiliation box that's coming out. It's got the four characters that we already have, excluding Thanos, and then I'm going to give away the Supergiant and Black Swan box. So make sure to keep it locked right here for some bonus entries in this one. And Leland, I think that we've got to have a bonus entry for this episode. And what do you think that should be? You know, as soon as you brought it up, I started thinking, and all I keep coming to is just rude. <laughs> rude? <laughs> it just It's just rude. It's just rude. I was thinking spicy. I like spicy as well. Because we've got some spicy hot takes, but I'm going to go with rude. Good to go with rude. Just, just proper rude, because that's what this, all this Black Order nonsense is. You are proper, proper rude for all of this AMG. We appreciate it very much, but... Send us a message at our Facebook page or via email or uh, on Discord. The easiest way, though, is definitely on Facebook. But uh, again, that I will get all of them. So send us messages over there with the code word of RUDE for a bonus entry. And if you are part of our uh, Patreon program, if you are a Mark V suit, you will get some bonus entries. So check that out. And I want to make sure to uh, say thank you to the suits out there listening to the patrons to anyone that's out there listening it is greatly 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 appreciated and i can't tell you how much i am uh, grateful to all of you 
that make house party protocol possible. And I, I honestly wouldn't be here or have been doing this as long as I have without all of you and all the interactions there. So thank you so much. And uh, it's exciting times ahead and we've got some stuff in the, in the works. Hopefully hope I've been, I've been teasing it for a long time now, but hopefully it'll all, all come to fruition soon. And so keep it locked right here. Leland, where can people find you? People can find me uh, basically anywhere on the internet, but uh, Aegis Brand Studios on YouTube, Facebook, or on the Discord. Um, definitely, definitely hit me up. I, I love talking shop, and uh, yeah, yeah. I think the the House Party Protocol Discord is where I kind of lurk the most as far as discussion goes. Um, but uh, yeah, so anywhere. Yeah, awesome. So thank you, Leland, again <clears throat> for uh, joining me today, and uh, suits again. Let us know what you think about this, because this is definitely some spicy hot takes here, and I'm really excited to get these new characters on the board. Don't forget the secret code word of RUDE for the giveaway. That's R-U-D-E, or you can put some sauce on it and give me a GIF. And uh, yeah, you won't get any extra entries other than just the one you're going to get. But if you send me a GIF with RUDE, I'll be super happy about that, and I'll get a good chuckle. I know Justy will. So anyways, thank you so much for listening, Suits. Party on, Leland. Party on, Will. And power down suits. Mm -hmm.